Welcome to the Save Your Marriage podcast, dedicated to all the men and women out there who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages. Here, we give you tools, perspectives, and insight into how to save your marriage and have a thriving marriage. This podcast is sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. And now, here's your host, Arturo Henriquez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I just want to invite all the men and women out there to book a private, complimentary call with me. We will talk about your particular situation in private and give you lots of guidance and put you on the path to restoring and saving your marriage. Just go to www.fortifiedspouse.com forward slash call. That's C-A-L-L. Now, as you guys know, I've designed this podcast from the very beginning to help you save your marriage, your relationship, no matter where you are in that process. And I've talked to many men who are ready to get married and they want to make sure that they don't get into trouble. Also, many times I've talked to people who are on the last straw, right? The last stitch effort. And of course, I've talked to everyone in between. Now, here's what kind of unites all of this. All of these people, all of these conversations that I've had, what feeds a marriage is exactly the same as what saves a marriage, right? It all fits together. It's the same process. Now, today I want to talk about this conversation I had just a couple of days ago. I had a client uh, who called me and we were going through some things and I was suggesting along the way a few things and I said, what do you think about doing this? Right. And what I heard at each step was, I'll try. I'll try. And he's a very resigned person, uh, response from this person. I'll try. I often wonder, what do people mean by, I will try? I'll try. Right. And, um, I don't know if you guys are Star Wars fans or not, but I think everybody by now knows the character Yoda, right? Uh, who teaches Luke Skywalker. Uh, he's a funny looking little, uh, character. Um, and he has a famous saying and he says, do or don't do. There is no try. That's his response. And there's a scene as, uh, where Luke is getting ready to do something. And he, and Luke says, I'll try. And Yoda looks at him and says, do or don't do. There is no try. Now notice what I was saying to my client was not save your marriage. Because that's very broad. And so someone would say, I will try to put my best effort in. And that would be a great answer. But I was suggesting doing some things, some more specific things, where there could be just a little bit of connecting. right? Not big things, but a little bit of connecting. Even trying something small. And I was met with, I'll try. I remember being at a workshop a year, you know, years ago, and a very popular kind of guru guy in self-help would stand there and he would throw a $100 bill on the floor and tell someone to try to pick it up. And as some people started approaching the $100 bill on the floor, they went to pick it up and he'd say, stop, just try to pick it up. Don't pick it up. Just try to pick it up. And everyone kind of was bewildered by this, right? Trying to figure out what, what to do, right? It was just an, an attempt to try. You can't really just attempt to try. You either pick it up or you don't pick it up. And it made that important point where you're doing, you're actually doing something, right? As Yoda would say, you either do or you don't do. There is no try, right? You may fail at doing something, 
But the point many times for people is just getting started. And this is one of those places I've noticed with lots of people who are working on saving their marriage, right? The I'll try, right? They don't even start. They just say, I'll try. They say they want to save their marriage. They proclaim that they want to figure out a way to reconnect and bring their relationship back to life. And yet there's no action. A couple of days before this conversation with a client, I was talking with somebody who had been working on this letter that I suggest. It's called the Fortified uh, Apology Letter. And I use what I call an apology letter formula. Uh, it actually has seven steps to it. So it's a step-by-step process that I use with our clients to make the apology effective. And before they get to this apology, there needs to be a lot of work done to oneself and a lot of skills acquired and perspective and dealing with your emotional insecurities um, before you even get to this uh, writing this letter. And in this letter, once you do get there, right, it's all about accountability, taking responsibility for each person's role in where the relationship is and asking for forgiveness as a way of clearing away the debris. But it's it's more action oriented because they've gone through the process prior to writing this letter where they have showed up in action and not just words, right? Now, for some people, that feels like it's a magic formula that they're going to use and they're suddenly going to have their spouse who has let everything go, who's going to let everything go, and is just ready to step back into the marriage. And that's frankly not the case. That's not what I intended for in this apology letter. It's possible that will happen, you know, many times over the years, but in order for this to happen, you have they need to do the work prior to this. They need to show in in action in how they listen, in how they speak to their wives, in how they appreciate their feelings, in other skills in terms of communication and trust and perspective between feminine and masculine and also dealing with their insecurities and their triggers and their self-sabotaging beliefs so that everything they do every single day reflects a new pattern, a new behavior. And so now they're not speaking, they're actually acting, right? Everything they do is with actions. It's no longer words. It's walking the walk and not just talking the talk. And that's what makes this letter so important because their wives are now at a place, their spouse is now at a place where they've seen the transformation through day in, day out, daily action. And so now the letter holds water, right? It's, it's, it's worth something as opposed to just more words that are hollow, right? And so there's a whole process behind this letter. So anybody that just goes out there and writes this letter and expects their, you know, their spouse to just magically come back to the, to the, um, to the relationship is just fooling themselves because they have not done anything to prove the behavior of the relationship can actually change. And yes, this has managed to save many, many marriages, but it's part of a process that is riddled and filled with action, steps by steps of action, right? And so, the apology letter, the fortified apology letter, really, you can't fail at the attempt, right? Because there's nothing required from the other person. If I woke up to you and I say, hey, I did this and I want to apologize. So I'm sorry for that. I apologize. 
I hope you can forgive me when I end the conversation. I have indeed apologized. There is nothing more required of me in the apology. Now, it's possible that the other person will forgive me. It's possible that the other person will hold on to that, will not do anything with it, will refuse to hold on to the pain. Now, there's some irony of that, right? I think because many times we have a very twisted view of what it means to forgive somebody. But let's just set that aside for a minute and just realize that the end point of an apology is when I take responsibility for something, I apologize for it, and I ask for forgiveness. At that point, I have done everything I could do. I've done the apology. I've done the work leading up to the apology. And I've apologized. So this person had been working on this letter, you know, writing this letter for a number of weeks. And I kept saying, time is passing. And one of the things I'm very clear about is in the middle of a marriage crisis, there is a ticking time clock, right? I mean, time passes. And when nothing happens, things usually get worse, right? The relationship continues to disintegrate. The disconnection continues to grow and on and on it goes, right? So without change, you kind of know where the end result is going. Uh, you're kind of sliding downhill. Now, admittedly, without a crystal ball, I can't tell you what that downhill is, where it ends at the bottom. I can't tell you how long that will take. I just know that the longer things go, without change, the less chance of recovery. And so here this person has been working on this letter or trying to work on this letter for a number of weeks and trying to get through it without much success. So as we talked about that, you know, and he says, I keep trying to write the letter. And I said, here's the thing. When I'm writing, I'm either writing or I'm not. This is one of my little things. When I'm writing, which is almost all the time these days, whether I'm writing a book or a project or a podcast or content, Whatever it is, I get up in the, in the morning and I get an hour of writing in before I do anything in my day, mainly because I want to make sure that I've done that piece. I find it to be a very important piece. And I follow Stephen Covey's idea, you know, the Eisenhower matrix. And I'm trying to take care of the things that are important but not urgent. And writing and getting my information on paper for me is very important, but it's not urgent. Nobody's going to be waiting at the door for the piece of paper to be written. Nobody's going to be knocking on my door waiting for that chapter to be written. It's important to me, but it's not urgent. And so I have to start early in order to get that done. So I happen to know that when I'm sitting there in the morning, I'm doing one of two things. I'm either writing or I'm not writing. There's no way for me to try to write. If I'm sitting down, I'm getting words down on paper. I'm writing. If I'm sitting down and I'm staring at anything other than that, I'm not writing. It's really that simple. It's one or the other. You can't try to run. Then you're either running or you're not. You can't try to walk. You're either walking or you're not. You can't try to connect with your spouse. You're either doing the connection or you're not. Now, is it guaranteed that the spouse is going to feel the connection? No, that's not guaranteed. You're either apologizing or you're not. Now, is it possible that your spouse will refuse to forgive? Yes. You can't guarantee the outcome only the process. So where people get hung up is they're often in the process of trying to do something instead of being in the process of doing it or not doing it. This is the truth of Yoda's words that have stuck with me since seeing that movie, you know, way back when I was a, uh, a child, that you can, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. There's nothing else. What I've noticed is that the I'll try 
mentality is usually a way of sidestepping. It's almost a cop-out. And people do it with the best of intentions. You know, I'll talk with someone about something and they have the best intentions of doing it, but they're hedging their bet. They're giving themselves an out. And the out is the try. You know, I think we use this on an everyday basis and really throughout life. I'm going to try to be a good parent. Well, being a good parent is doing good parent things. And if you're not doing good parent things, then you're not doing it. That's as simple as that, right? The same with work. If I go to work, if I'm doing work, I'm working. I'm not trying to work. And so when we use the word, I'll try, what I've noticed is often somewhere we are uncomfortable. And so we use it as just a way of hedging our bet, of giving ourselves an out in case it doesn't work out. And I've often wondered, is it any better to say, well, I'll try to connect with my spouse. And when you're unable to connect, to be able to say, well, I did say I would try. Is that any better than trying to connect? Actually doing the effort, doing the things of connecting. And when it doesn't work to say I did my best, it feels to me like one is empowering to step up. The other one is an excuse to not step up. You or I are not going to succeed at everything we try. We will fail at many things and learn a good bit along the way. We got to stop trying and we got to start acting independent of whether we succeed or fail. So as I worked with one client who kept telling me, I'll try, I challenged on him on doing you know, something next week. The response was, well, I did that. It didn't work. And my response was, now we have some feedback. We have a data point. And the client's response was, I failed. My response was, we now have a little more information. And I find it to be an important place for us to realize that the point when we fail is the point when we give up being knocked down. That's just part of life. Now, I want you to kind of think back on when you were a child. The first time you tried to walk. You were getting up to walk. Were you doing it or were you falling? Right? You were falling, right? And if you're like most kids, you didn't go, well, you know, that didn't work. I guess I'll just hang out here on the floor, right? No, you got up, you did it again. You did it everything you could do to walk again. Maybe you fell again and again and again and again, but you didn't say, oh, that's it. I'm stuck here. The fact is that whenever something is important enough, we'll try it again. We'll do it again. We'll do the steps. We'll look for a different angle, a different route. Now, that word try, it's interesting because there's a sense where I have to say, well, we'll try it again. And at the same time, here I am saying, don't say try, right? Get rid of that word. It's so hard to get rid of that word and just recognize that the word sticks around. For us, the task is doing. The process of saving a marriage is in the do, not the trying. Now, it is possible that you'll do everything you can to save your marriage and you won't succeed. And I've had this conversation just in the last couple of you know weeks with some people. And my response to them when they say, what if it doesn't work? What if I don't save my marriage? My response is you can only do your part. But if you've done your part, you'll be able to say, I feel good about what I did. I became 
the better person. I grew into the best version of myself. And I did my part. We don't have ultimate control over what somebody else does. We don't have control over what our spouse will or will not do. We do have control over what we do or choose not to do. The danger is that top out. The word, I'll try. My point here is to watch how you think through that yourself. This isn't a huge thing. It's not a big teaching for you. I'm not giving you technique after technique as much as to say, if I give you lots of techniques and you don't do them, or you say, I'll try to do them, you're letting yourself off the hook and you're letting yourself down. I would rather have somebody say, I did what you said and it didn't work, than to say, I'll try to do it and end up doing nothing in the movement. So much of life is based in us stepping up and saying, I'll do that. I'll take that on. So much of success in life is based in that. In fact, every single success you have is because you said, I'll step up. I'll do that. And when we fail many times, it's because we'll say, I won't do that. I won't do those things. I won't give it my best. Those are tough moments. Just read some research about regret, guys. I think that regret is such a powerful thing in people's lives. I mean, so many times I hear people telling me about all the regrets that they have. A lot of the time, our short-term regrets are about things we did. We regret some action. And maybe you regret saying something in anger. Or you regret taking some rash action. Or you regret overreacting to something. Those are the regrets of things. And the good thing about regrets for things we've done is that we can do repair work for that afterwards. If I was mean to somebody and I feel regretful, I can go back and say, hey, I'm so sorry. I take accountability for that. It's not going to happen again. If I yell at somebody and I feel bad about it, for that I can go back and say, hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have yelled at you. That was not fair. I can apologize for it and make amends for it if possible. And I can even change my behavior going forward. Because that's one of the things regret allows us to do is to say, hey, I don't want to be acting this way. I can move forward in a different way. Regret in the short term is about things that we did and we have the ability to repair, to do repair work on them. Ironically, in the long term, what people regret are what they did not do. The actions they did not take, the things they did not try. That's my experience, you know, working with people all the years that at some point they look back and go, I wish I had done this. Think about how this fits into saving a marriage. Maybe you have some regrets over actions you've taken. You know, that's the work of the apology letter. That's where you can begin to take accountability for that. You know, one of my C's of the three C's of connect, change yourself, create a new path, that change yourself, right? The regrets we have can fuel that change. What do I need to change in how I respond and react to people? So make a change there. But I've heard people over the years who regretted the fact that they didn't try to save their relationship. And there's the word try. They didn't do the actions required to save their relationship. They didn't make the changes necessary. Regret is, is tough when it's over. The things that we didn't do, because those are often things 
we now have no chance to do. I would rather have given it a shot and it failed than regret not having tried. How about you? That's an important place to be able to look and say, is that going to be me? Have I done what I needed to do to change this? Have I done what I needed to do to save this marriage? And if not, to step back and say, how am I going to feel about that down the road? Now, this is a mindset piece today as I'm talking about this. The try piece, I'll try to think about the fact that there isn't a try. You're either going to do things or you're not going to do things. That's it. That's the only two things there are. And you might have regrets over things you did, which you can then make a difference about, or worse yet, having regrets over things you didn't do. So let's say that you're on that path and you're faced with that turn. Do I try? Do I work to save this or do I take the other path of not working on it? That's yours to choose that path. But look further down the path and ask yourself, will I regret? Will I be able to look myself in the mirror and know that I've done everything I could? Will I regret the actions not taken? Think about the people who are at the end of their lives who sat there in regret. And think about all the people who are in therapy who are looking back on the end of a relationship with regret on what did not happen. And I don't wish that on anyone. I don't wish it for you or anyone else to have that feeling. What if you do choose that path? What if you say, okay, that is the path I want to be on of doing everything I can to save my marriage. And you go, but I don't know what to do. If you're there at that point, then I invite you to look at the Fortified Spouse Program. If you've got some other process that you're following and it's working great, but if you're at that point of standing at the cusp, the turn in the road and asking, I am ready to go, but I don't know where to go. Again, I invite you to look at the Fortified Spouse Program. Even if your spouse doesn't want to work on it, right now you can start that process. I created the system because I saw the damage done by people who didn't know what to do. I can't help the people who choose not to do. For those who want to but don't know what to do, I want to fill in that blank for you. And the Fortified Spouse Program has helped thousands of people already. Either way, whatever you choose, choose to stop the I'll try and start the doing. Thank you for listening. If you are hurting, if you are lost, if you are in despair, if you're facing this anxiety, what do I do? How do I respond when my spouse is being toxic? How do I respond when my spouse is stonewalling me? I don't know what to do. My spouse doesn't love me anymore. I don't know what to do. My spouse is cheating on me. My spouse wants a separation or a divorce. I don't know what to do. We can help you find those answers and give you those tools to learn how to stabilize the marriage, how to postpone and delay the divorce or separation or win your spouse back from an affair so you can work on yourself and gain the tools to become the man or woman wife or husband that you should have always been and want to be, which has the highest probability of saving your marriage because it offers your spouse a new path, a new relationship that they cannot see right now. And I invite you to take part in the Fortified Spouse Program. Go to www.fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. 
The program is going to change your life and it has the highest probability of saving your marriage. You have been listening to the Save Your Marriage podcast for men and women. For further information, visit The Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you. Thank you.